Good day, dear listeners. Steve Breda here with the Management Blueprint Podcast. And my guest today is Brad Avano, the CEO of Accountfully, a bookkeeping and accounting firm helping creative professionals, food entrepreneurs, startup founders, and those in the CPG space grow their business through smart financial management and tailored bookkeeping and accounting solutions. Whew, that was a mouthful. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Steve. Really enjoyed the great intro. And yes, that was a mouthful. Excited <laughs> to expand good. more on it as we chat. Yes. I said life as an accountant, and I know that there is always an inclination to be very precise and to make sure that you cover all the bases, which I would have done as well. So tell me a little bit about your journey, Brad, and how did you end up running your own accounting firm? And most people, most accountants are not necessarily born entrepreneurs. They don't necessarily want to run a business. They Maybe they might aspire to become a partner with a major firm, but actually owning and running a business is quite a different thing. So what is your story? Yeah, it's a, I think it's a pretty good story. I it just starts back at from a small town and, and did the college accounting route and got a big job at the big accounting firms. Worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers and I'm from Michigan. And I really didn't know any difference or entrepreneurism or had any like thoughts around that. I mean, my godfather had his own tax CPA firm, but I didn't really ever enjoy looking at that of seeing him during tax season. With that being said, got involved with an accounting firm in the corporate world. Did the big, big business stuff and and trucked along. And there came a point where I was originally in Detroit and then I moved to Chicago. And there came a point where I was kind of my late 20s, like starting to grasp, kind of growing up, being more mature as an adult and trying to figure things out. And I was, I remember one time one of my partners at the accounting firm just felt like he didn't know people's names. He was kind of just going through life. And I'm like, man, if this guy's a partner in a firm or like, it can't be that hard. Like I just remember some reason my mind went that way. So in short, that's kind of one of the areas where I stored or steered myself into out of the corporate world into small business. So from there, quit my job and got a job at a family wine businesses that my cousin owns basically as the first ever accountant or controller of that family of companies, learn small business, learn payroll taxes, learn cash flow, inventory, the stuff that you have no idea to talk about or deal with in the big business in the auto world and then moved out to Charleston and still had that job remotely. And then kind of, this was 2011. So it was probably about 27, 20 years old. And we did my wife, now my fiance, then we didn't know anybody in Charleston. Cause we should move here because we love the town. And, um, we were like, what's the best way to meet people in your late twenties? It's not like what you do in college days. Right. So we're like, let's go on our own and start business networking, meeting people, shaking hands. And that's what came out of accountfully. So then we were like, well, we're going to start a business where we're doing kind of CFO consulting, this kind of very gray and tangible thing that seemed a lot cooler than bookkeeping. And then we get out and do that and shake some hands. And when you're trying to explain something or sell something, and it's hard to sell it or hard to even explain it. People are more reluctant to buy it. So then we realized, oh, bookkeeping, payroll, monthly financials, supporting and income taxes, things like that's more tangible and the awareness and conscious of a business owner is easier to kind of grasp. So then that's really when we launched and took off. So I think we originally went to business in 2012. Mid-2013 is really when we tweaked it, iterated to the bookkeeping process. And really that's where Accountfleet really was born and kind of launched off into the phase. So our 11th anniversary will be January 27th of this year of 2023. So I can't believe we're almost 11. Wow. Congratulations. That's, that's a good run. So you developed the blueprint that I got really curious about. You called it the 
three tiers of professional service marketing. So what are these tiers and how is professional service marketing different from other marketing? Yeah. So basically, we've grown our business from one person, zero people, whatever, to almost 70. I think right now today, as of today, like 68, 69 people at Accountful, which is just bananas and crazy to me. And we have grown our company without a formal salesperson, sales process, et cetera. I am the CEO of the company. I have a lot of responsibilities and I'm basically the sole salesperson still. And the reason I'm able to do that is because of kind of all these different layers of marketing leads, qualified leads, different things that we've done to really kind of minimize the sales process. From a sales perspective, originally, when you're starting a business, you're like cold outreach, emails, calls, things like that. We've done that at various times um, within Accountfully, but it never works very well, right? It's just the, the ROI is not there. So as we've grown our business, what I've really identified is one of the first thing, as we've grown our business, I've identified various ways that we have people have come to account for, right? So I think the three kind of buckets or tiers in terms of what we're talking about. And again, professional service, if we just step back a little bit, it's different than selling a product or something like that, right? At the end of the day, time, our time, our team members' time is our inventory, right? And that's what we're selling, our time to support them in various services. So it's a little bit different than just selling a product or selling a software as a service app or things like that, right? With that being said, we've kind of over time really focused on three key items to help us grow our business. Number one is just extraordinary delivery to our clients, right? Client service delivery, making sure the quality of our service, of our deliverables, we promise to our clients what they pay for is properly handled, right? Because number one, as a small business owner and entrepreneur, at least 20 other entrepreneurs and small business owners, because you're trying to grow your business, you're connecting, you're making handshaking hands, things like that, right? So at the end of the day, if we're performing a good service to our existing clients and they're happy with it, there's going to be questions and comments around accounting, taxes, finance to their friends. Well, great, boom. Handshake, maybe account fees introduced. A big part of that client service delivery is having good processes, workflow, checks and balances in place. I don't know how many times I can literally say when somebody comes to us and says, Hey, I'm this current firm, but nobody's there ever to respond to me. They don't get things timely, they don't communicate to me, things like that. I think can easily be fixed if you have proper talent, resources, processes, workflows, et cetera, which I think we've really developed at Accountfully. The second thing is kind of what I've always explained to our team is at the end of the day, it's called time marketing. Okay. I coined it, I don't know, it came to me several years ago, but basically it's as in terms of what we do for our clients, we are helping them doing weekly bookkeeping, paying bills, updating their books and records, helping them with weekly cash flow, sending invoices to their customers, processing payroll, et cetera. So there's this bucket and this budget that we say, hey, for X number of dollars, we're going to do these tasks and we reconcile the amount of time we're spending. With that being said, and we don't over-deliver so far that we're losing money based upon the amount of time we're spending. But there's a little aspect of that fine line in a professional service that is you're going a touch above what they expect you to do, what your client expects you to do. You go and ask them how they're doing. You create that personal relationship with them. So I call it time marketing because that extra time we put into our client and we go above and beyond and reach out to them when it's their birthday. Always be cheery and happy when they email us, respond very quickly, even if we don't know the answer. Hey, I'll get to this tomorrow. It's that aspect of just kind of creating that personal relationship and that and that value where that client understands what you're doing and the time that we're spending creates marketing in terms of yeah. two aspects, right? It, it creates marketing in terms of two things. Number one is keeping our existing clients happy so they stay clients with us, plus then they maybe use other services we offer. Then number two, it goes back to what I just said, they tell their friends about us because they're happy with our service and their friends need a bookkeeper, an accountant, a tax person, a CFO, et cetera. Yeah. Yep. And then the last bucket is 
just leveraging other people's networks, right? So this is kind of much more on the sales side of things, external sales, outside sales, where the other one's kind of you're leveraging your existing clients and upselling them plus telling their friends. The other thing is identifying people and key partners, whether it's our clients or whether it's other kind of partnerships we've created within the industry and leverage them to expand, to use their network to expand about account fully and what we do, right? So instead of me reaching out to 100 people, what if I go to two people who know 50 people each, that's 100 people. And so there's much more efficiency there. There's more ROI. And then when you plug into the right people and then they tell their friends or their colleagues about account fleet, there's you become a qualified service provider, a qualified vendor, right? So people mm-hmm. are like, oh, there's that built in trust that's into place. So basically from that aspect of all of those items, really, I think it buckets the kind of a concept of just see the whole like referral engine, right? Of just leveraging your network, like other networks, leveraging your existing clients, and keeping that referral engine going, where I would say 80% of the people that we work with really come to us and it's a qualified lead. Where mm-hmm. when I have a sales conversation, they already are trusted in terms of what we do. We're an expert in their eyes. And so it's an easier process versus me just cold calling somebody like a life insurance salesman does. And it's this very impersonal aspect. So mm-hmm. in short, in summary, again, the kind of the three aspects are Extraordinary customer or client service delivery, extraordinary delivery. Number two is time marketing. And number three is leveraging kind of clients and networks, basically. Yeah, I think it's a great, it's very logical, but the way you explain it, it's also quite profound. Because if you do a great job and you can keep all your clients, you basically close the back door on your practice, then already your job of marketing is so much easier because all you need to market is for the growth that you can handle. So that's very true. That's Extraordinary service will cement your existing clients. So that's already client saved is a client earned. And then I like this time marketing thing because often we don't take the time to have that conversation with the client because we think that they are busy and we are busy and we don't want to waste their time. But actually, if you're investing in your time in making sure that you treat this person as an individual and recognize them, then they're going to relate to you in a different way. And they're going to see you more as a friend than as a service provider. So that's awesome. And then leveraging the network is great. Harvesting some network effects in marketing, it's as beneficial as doing it in, in a SaaS business, right? You want, yeah. to do, you want to take the network effects. Yeah. Um, so, so let's switch gears here a little bit and let's talk about... See, one last point. Yes. I just want to bring up the time marketing standpoint and creating that keep, like you said, friendships with your clients to the extent it makes sense. Like it's very important in specifically like the last several months, right? The current economic client because of the economy of where people are making decisions of possibly cutting costs due to the lack of credit available and and loans available because of just kind of where the stock market is, where the credit market is. Well, guess what? All business owners are going through and cutting costs. Well, if you have that super valuable relationship, you may be the biggest dollar amount, but or the the top five, but they may be like, look, I can't live without them because they help me make decisions each day or they do that stuff. So sorry to cut you off, but I wanted to say that it's super important, especially in the downturns, to have that relationship because that goes into the decision-making process, folks. Yeah. And another aspect you mentioned is that when you provide great delivery, you're actually going to trigger referrals because those people are going to want to do a favor to other people to recommend you because they know that they're going to look good with you. So that's also a huge, a huge benefit. Definitely. So let's talk about this idea of leverage. I mean, you said leveraging your client's network, but there are other things that you can leverage in this day and age. And love it that you guys are thinking about automation in accounting and bookkeeping. 
and using AI. So tell me a little bit about how it is possible to use automation AI in, in your work and what are the possible pitfalls perhaps of doing that? Yeah, I think specifically, clearly like with AI and some of the things that keep coming out like weekly and daily these days, it's kind of crazy to think about what's going on. With that being said, specifically within, I take the position of this, is that specifically within what we do, accounting, finance, like this typically is the most private part of anybody's life. It's what's in their bank account, how much they owe in taxes, that type of stuff. Like people will tell their friends about their romantic life, different things that they did, craziness, but they never tell them like, by the way, oh, the IRS 40 grand and I'm back due on credit cards and things like that. It's very private to people. So we have the visibility to that, to see how good their business is doing. We get their tax returns or file their tax returns, that type of stuff. So we have that aspect of it. So when you're dealing with cash, money, business, stress, all this stuff, there's always going to be this aspect of where there needs to be a somebody there to help support them, to be able to pick up the call, to respond to an email, to help them make a decision on what needs to get done forever, no matter what, in this space and in a lot of different spaces. Additionally, helping them making decisions on what vendor to pay, what percent, can you reach out to them about creating a, an installment agreement with a vendor they will pass to items are that are a key supplier to their product, right? So there's that personal aspect that will always be there. So I don't think, I think that the automation and things that not AI that exists should be something that's very much behind the scenes, right? Creating that relationship, building your business, having that face-to-face conversations, emailing back and forth, but then how can we leverage QuickBooks Online? How can we leverage these different systems integrating? How can we leverage email marketing? How can we leverage those types of things that keeps getting better to minimize the man hours, right? So you don't have a ton of just internal people doing things, right? But then at the same time, making sure that data is right, personal matter, right? I don't know how many times I go to a chat bot on something, Comcast, literally we were moved out of our house because we're renovating, canceling Comcast. And literally you go to a chat bot and you can't get anybody like and they keep bringing up the buttons, press this button. And I'm just like, cancel service. They're like, but it took forever. And I'm just like, that just, it's just frustrating. And those are the things that just annoy you. So the next time you look at an internet provider, you may not go to them, you may go with somebody else. So like, that's kind of the level of aspect of, I think some of our competitors have really automated a lot, which in theory makes sense. And the young generation may love it, but then a lot of times they come to us because they're like, I just, I can't talk to anybody. Nobody's available. And I'm just frustrated because I, I want to ask them what's going on or they miscoded a, a categorization stuff. So I think there's a ton of opportunity behind the scenes in the back office. I think that the integration with the clients and the people needs to be personal. And what about AI? What can you use AI for in the accounting profession? See, that's like reporting, right? Creating forecasting, really. And we use a system called Fathom, a dashboard called Fathom Integrates QuickBooks Online that basically, you know, it has a ton of KPS go backwards and that, and that doesn't include a lot of AI, but they have a forecasting function that literally you can go in and go into your PL and say, this is going to increase by this, or they have this regression thing that like, this is going to be like this. And it constantly kind of is dynamic and changing based upon the inputs that happen. And it's that type of stuff is where you can leverage that kind of more AI versus automation, right? And handling that aspect, because then that helps you then interpreting that to your client needs that individual, right? So it's it's the, the automation versus AI. Sometimes you like get confused, like it sounds like the same thing. Automations like integrating systems, setting up reminders, automating emails, responding back to sales and deals and things like that. Whereas the AI is identifying that. Like the one thing hard sometimes to think about is from an accounting perspective, just have everything code behind the scenes. If QuickBooks Online or these accounting systems, just everything code everything. Well, what if you use Amazon for five different things and the memo line comes over as amazon.com, but then you want it broken out by office supplies, by tech, by whatever, Well, you need somebody there to kind of go through it. 
because the automation isn't, or the rule of QuickBooks isn't know the difference. So that's where you have that aspect. I'm, just, I'm assuming probably at some point in the future, you could leverage AI to look something up or whatever. I don't know the answer to that, but I think like leveraging AI to create dashboards and looking forward and visualizations and things like that really helps out. And that's where I see from an accounting kind of more of a finance perspective that's in there. And I guess we have a tax team and there's probably something there. Clearly there's automation there, but taxes are so nuanced and so specific and individual. It's hard if you are a complex entity or individual like where AI can really do 100% of it or automation can. So yeah. I think it'll keep getting better. I just yeah. think you can't lose the focus that there's a personal relationship there. Yeah. And people don't want to take a chance that some AI is going to make some judgments on their accounting and they make a false report to the IRS. Yeah. It's not the place to save money, I think. I agree. A lot of the other aspects, marketing, different things. There's a lot of different things that, that are out there and stuff like that. And clearly, it's an exciting kind of time to see where all that goes just with everything in life. You know? So so I'd like to ask you kind of a personal question. We talked about this before the recording that you and your wife, you started the business together. So you're partners in life and in business. And I've been like that with my wife. And I know that there are ups and downs and challenges and opportunities, but how did that work out for you? And what is kind of the lesson that you have taken about taken from that? Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of positives that go into it. And then at times there can be a lot of negatives, right? Because you don't have those boundaries in your personal relationship. And there's times that we've gotten me individually frustrated that we are in business together. It'd be great just to have a wife that we can just talk and chime in at each other, whatever. But from a, I'm just kind of starting out, like when we were growing accountfully, and when it started to kind of grow and take off, it made sense for both of us to dedicate 100% of our time to it because we were just got married or almost got married. We just bought a house or almost could buy a house. So it makes sense as you grow your revenue, grow your clients to keep it in a house versus hiring somebody else and paying them to do the work. Sure. So step one, it's clearly from a financial standpoint, it's been really great for us personally and in that aspect. The biggest downfall we had originally, initially, is that we thought we had to do everything together, right? Oh, we got a prospective client. Let's both go and be in this meeting. Oh, we have this. Let's go both do this. And over time, we realized that just doesn't work because what you need to do is really divide and conquer and mm-hmm. provide 100% responsibilities to each person within departments, within clients within whatever, and then let the other person just get away, hands off, let them do it, trust them to make the situation and don't babysit micromanage it. Right. So over time I took over sales and marketing. She's basically the CEO takes over all operations, takes over HR, does different things like that's come into play. We always had kind of our separate clients. And over time we've basically all got out of client work outside of some old legacy clients that we still have. But it's basically, I think for anybody that is in business with your partner, it's like real identifying those duties and clients or however you can segment your responsibilities and get rid of it and let go and let that other person do their job. Because otherwise it's just going to be butting heads. You do things differently. And every time you do stuff together, it's not good. And I think outside of that, we've been, now that we have a family and we have three kids and have other things going on and we have twin five-year-olds, we have almost a one-year-old now. But so over time, it's like, our attention just fully isn't the business. Like the first three, four years was like business growing, going, this is going to support our family forever. Once you have kids, first of all, she took maternity leave, gets away, she unplugs. So like for a minute, she doesn't even think about accountability. Look, I'm running it. So it's good. It starts creating that those boundaries, but then you have focuses on your kids, your family, your social life, things like that. So we've been able to really segment it where 
yeah, during the week, we'll be talking about, we go out on a date, we'll talk about business, but like on weekends, we were just like, we don't really talk about it. So over time, it's been really good. So I, there's been times of struggle. And I guess over time, now that we're almost 70 people, we've created, we've hired a bunch of top talent that literally do a bunch of different things. So it's not just Meredith and I at the leadership table, there's six or seven of us. So it's, I'm talking about this, we're talking about this. Yeah, we're still the partners, the owners of the company make the final decisions, but there's so many other things going on that it's been really good because it's just not us relying on it. And there's other really good people here that have helped. So in short, if I had to do it again, no doubt I'd select to go back in business with my wife and it's worked out really well. Okay, that's great. If you can make it work, it's fantastic. And my experience is that sometimes it works great, especially when the business is booming and then you go through a harder time and you have different opinions on how to save the business and how to make it work. And that can be frustrating because it's challenging enough to make the business profitable and successful if you have to do it with a partner who maybe has a different view. That can happen not just with spouses. It's, it's part, Business partnership is hard. Well, itself. and that's actually one thing that's been really good that we've been so aligned in our like strategic or long-term vision of account flee is that when things happen and when we need things, we're always constantly in the, in the similar mindset. When mm-hmm. is if you have a partner to that, maybe one has just had a kid, right? And you don't have a kid and your minds are in different spots and you still work 80 hours. And they're like, look, family's more important business. I'm still working hard, but you got to cut slack. There becomes that, like that segmentation of, well, what's the strategic thing? How do the decisions make things like that could impact a business partnership. So I think that's the one thing as well is if you have that really proper alignment, it helps out on stuff. But again, to your point, some partnerships have proper alignment anyway. So it's, it's just kind of a crapshoot at times. Yeah, it is. Well, listen, that's been really interesting and it's quite a fascinating journey that you've been on with Accountfully. So if the listeners would like to learn a little bit more on what's happening, what this three-tier uh, of professional service marketing is working or how do you serve your clients and what do you provide them, where can they find you and how can they reach out to you? Yeah, I think the best way to find us is accountfully.com, all social media channels, accountfully. I think what we put out on Instagram is really cool, especially from a accounting firm standpoint. When we created this, it was how do we create a cool accounting firm? Because there's a lot of cool accountants out there, but there's just stale accounting firms, right? Want to be a Johnson and Johnson LLC, that type of stuff, the lawyer name. So we've been accountant for a decade and there's a lot of other accounting firms now that exist that kind of do the same thing and have a cool brand. But I think that we were kind of cutting edge or one of the first that did that, which is super cool. And we really, a big part of what we do on marketing is not just for customers, but it's all for talent, right? We want our employees to identify that. So check us out on social media. At the end of the day, we do bookkeeping accounting for small businesses have a great tax team, do business taxes, et cetera. Have a great finance and advisory team, CFO budgeting. Have a great, we have a lot of inventory-based clients do inventory management system implementations, consultings. We have a couple other things we got to do for our clients as well. But I think what we do is we just we provide a really good service and one-stop shop for a lot of things that small businesses need. So if you need us, go to our website. There's a getting started form. It'll come to me and you can talk to me if you're just interested about Accountfully or just what we've done in general. I just want to chat. Like again, same thing or send me an email. My email is brad at accountfully.com. And I really enjoyed the chat, Steve. It was awesome. Well, yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. So do check out dear listeners, accountfully.com and to see what Brad and his wife are all about. And as well as their team, they have a big team now. And stay tuned because we are now twice a week and there's always an exciting entrepreneur come on the show. Have a great day. Thanks again, Steve.